Welcome to Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak, where we explore the tools and tactics that drive improvement. If you're hungry for more and better, if you want to move past hype and discuss how, you're in the right place. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine. For this episode, I'll be talking with a close friend of mine who I've done a wide variety of things with, know him well, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. In fact, I'm speaking with Jay Hawkins. Jay leads a dynamic and growing business as a multi-restaurant owner and Chick-fil-A in Waynesboro and Staunton, Virginia. His business and team influence over a million people a year, and he's won Small Business of the Year Award in 2013 and several other things. After becoming one of the youngest owner-operators in Chick-fil-A history, Jay now serves as a Chick-fil-A owner-operator coach for Chick-fil-A Inc. and a thought leader on performance management, culture creation, and leadership development. As a seasoned investor in real estate, self-storage, and middle market business, Jay has enjoyed creating winning together opportunities for investors, business owners, and communities throughout the country. He's also an author, the book Pando Principle, which I highly recommend. He's a speaker and a thought leader. He's worked in multiple continents, four continents. He's been a John Maxwell certified business coach and a proud graduate of Clemson University, where he served as the leadership person in the largest fellowship of Christian athletes club in the nation at the time. He's also an awesome family man and a good father. His wife, Catherine, is a friend, and his four children have hung out with my children. He's just one of these awesome people, including outdoor adventures, skiing, kayaking, as some of his favorites. So with that, let me welcome you to a great conversation with a great friend, Jay Hawkins. Man, I am looking forward to having this conversation uh, and sharing it with other folks. Man, you and I have had a lot of really, really cool conversations over the years. Man, we have done some really fun stuff together. I think for me specifically, remember India as kind of our first opportunities. So yeah, man. And then also the time that the uh, somebody left the window open after you closed it and you went to bed without checking your window and uh, woke up to, I don't know, like literally a thousand mosquito bites. I mean, it looked like yep. you had chicken I, I pox or something. Chicken pox or if I just got <laughs> bit by mosquitoes. I wasn't sure what it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, mosquitoes. I, I think they, they love some uh, American white guy. Dude. They had a good a good feast on my face and my right. Life. It was exotic dinner night in uh, Bangalore, India. Man, the mosquitoes were loving it, dude. That's hilarious. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, good times, good times. But man, I, so we've dude, we've been we've been traveled the world. We've been to Israel and India and and Colombia, doing projects in all those places, speaking at events and teaching things. Um, we've invested in a business together, video game company. Yep. And the reason I say this is because I've seen you in so many different settings and in many, many ways, you are one of the best decision makers that I know. Your ability to look at a lot of complicated factors and then just kind of cut through it all and say, I think it comes down to this versus this, and this is the key factor. Uh, Some of the conversations we had in India were about that. And it was like, oh, that is a really interesting way of thinking about it. So, so man, how do you yep. sort all this stuff down and make sense of it? Well, I really think 
at the heart of so many things that I, I think a lot of leaders, owners, executives at times get wrong is there's not a lot of clarity on the foundation or values at times. Hmm. And I think that that's so important that I, I just have had some great people in my life, really probably when I was 14, 15, 16, I mean, way back that I think have helped me. And I think also try to help shape myself a little bit into if you can be very committed to kind of what your core values are, you know them, and maybe not just in the sense of, you know, them of like, I have this cool phrase, but like, I actually know how I'm going to best show up in making a decision or the way I want to think through it or the filter. I really think that's the starting place hmm. and of kind of saying, what is the foundation that I'm going to have from a set of, you know, a set of values I, like one of mine is I'm going to do my best to win together with other people. Right. I mean, like, that's just a framework that I'm going across any decision that I'm making it's how do I think through it in a win together opportunity? And so I think when you start with that value, it makes it easier to filter it to the next level. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So like take that a step further. Where has that shown up? Like, give me an example of how pre-deciding, Hey, I want to try to win together. How's that changed the way you've approached, you know, how do I handle this decision? Where's what's practical application? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, in, in almost any business structure that I've put together, there's an element of kind of partnership to it mm. or shared win that happens in it. I think a lot of times owners, business owners, entrepreneurs kind of look at themselves in a silo and then they're like, I've got to get all these people to do what I want them to do. And hopefully what's the cheapest, easiest way I can get them. Mm-hmm. And I think I look a lot differently. I looked at it I look at that as like, okay, here's what needs to be done. Here's how we maximize opportunity. And how do I filter the best win together opportunity that I can in that? It needs to be, you know, fair and within reason and, you know, risk appropriated and all of that. But I always look at kind of what's the maximum I can do for other people and it still be a win forever. Right. And so I think that just starts at a totally different place than where a lot of people, you know, maybe start at. So when I start with that value of kind of win together, if you're looking at hiring a position, for example, it's like, well, if this was the best partner or, uh, you know, employer, whatever that I could have at that level, mm-hmm. how would I maximize that opportunity? I think it does a couple of things. It makes it a lot more attractive opportunity. So I think you attract a lot of partners, but at the same time, I think it makes the ethos better around, Hey, we both have to get these results, but it's a clear defined win for both of us when that happens. Mm. Dude, that, that makes a lot of sense. In fact, I mean, that's the India story. You were invited to go to a conference and speak and do some stuff in India. And you said to them, I think not just me, but let me bring a buddy. And between the two of us, we bring a diff- slightly different perspective on the same thing. And together we'll be more powerful. So we actually went there to tag team teach on stuff that you could have done solo. But you said, I think it would be better if you... Yeah. So you pitch them on, on adding somebody else to the itinerary, um, which is how we end up hanging out in India. That's right. And everybody ended up probably benefiting more from that, I think. Well, yeah, um, I did. But I think that starts with a level of humility as well, you know, where it's just if you've got a value that says, you know, the, the people that invite us to India speak, they wanted some kingdom minded business leaders to mm-hmm. speak around, you know, how corporations and franchisees and different, you know, layers of organizations could work together. And 
you know, in my mind, it would be a better result for them if they had a more well-rounded group that could talk to that. And so, sure, I could bring those experiences, but I think it I could leverage some ability of my network and other opportunities that I could create, and it ends up being a better experience for everyone. But that decision-making started at a level of probably a core value that I've been trying to live for the last, you know, 15 years. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I can relate. Um, I mean, I, one of mine is uh, I keep my word even to my own harm. And just like yesterday, I had a speaking request come in. And bluntly, the new one that came in was cooler than the one I'd said yes to. And there was a conflict. And it was this little, small, non-big crowd, non-fancy thing that I had said yes to. And it was like, yeah, I mean, there's a moment where I was like, well, I mean, maybe I could figure out. And then I thought, I, I told them. The only reason I would be bailing is because I found a cooler opportunity. And uh, I, listen, I'm a strategy guy, right? Like I'm all about maximizing and optimizing and and figuring out how to play the best strat move. And and yet, when all that runs up against one of my values, like, but I told them I would be there. That's right. Yeah, I'm sick, right? If I can't show up, that's different. But if I could show up and I just didn't want to. Like, so in a sense, this is kind of to my own harm because uh, I'm passing on an opportunity that would be cooler and bigger and pay more. Right. But, right. but on the other hand, it's like, no, that's, that's not one of those things I'm up for because I have a value that says, once I make the statement, I will go to extreme lengths to keep that statement. Um, it, it also goes back upstream when I do make commitments, I think pretty seriously, but even with my kids, I will, um, it, like silly things. Like if I say, yeah, we can have dessert on the weekend and then we get there and like, but you said we can have dessert, right? Well, crap. I did say that. Um, right. so <laughs> we're doing it. Even if it's right. 10 o'clock at night and we forgot. And then they suddenly remember, cause dang it. If my kids aren't really creative when it's bedtime and they really don't, like, what can I think of that will get me awake a little longer? And then they remember you said dessert five days ago before 10 o'clock and oops it's 10 15 right like man yeah. who knows unless right. i say it that clearly then there have been times i literally this is not a hypothetical i literally was like well crap i did say that and so even though this is kind of not a good plan i'm gonna keep my word the weekend's almost over i know it's 10 o'clock on a sunday night and that's too bad we're having dessert because daddy made a promise. So I do think it's really, you know, imperative. And I don't think that gets talked a lot about in decision-making, at least the level that it should, but the clearer that you can get on values, I mm -hmm. think it really helps you really speed up and be a lot more effective at decisions long-term because some are almost made, you know, somewhat automatically based on mm -hmm. some level of that, but you actually get to step quicker to you know, maybe a little more granular viewpoint of the decision as well. Um, and so I think that that's an important place to, to really start any decision-making is like, you know, where is a set of values and as a leader and a business owner, you know, an investor, you know, whatever role at father, you know, at whatever yeah. role you're playing, you're going to make a lot of decisions. And so I think what I've tried to do is be pretty effective at that around, you know, I at least can have a good starting block on base, based on a really strong set of values of knowing how to make those decisions. Yeah. Okay. So how often are you changing your values? How many do you have written? Are they written down somewhere? I mean, how do you, what does this look like for you? What's this list? I've got about uh, seven like okay. values and they've been, gosh, they've probably been the same for 
oh man, over a decade. Okay. Right. And it really is just kind of a set of guiding, you know, guiding principles that I feel like, um, I think some level of like when you're looking in the mirror and feeling like you kind of are living life by those, you feel happy, you feel, you know, content, happy, satisfied. Yeah, yeah. Or mirror and you're like, Ooh, I'm not liking exactly what I'm, what I'm looking at. A lot of times it comes from, Hey, that's not showing up in my life in, in the way that it should. Right. And so I think you start kind of going back to, and I've done that obviously in several renditions in my life, you know, cause things change, roles change, level of decision-making changes, what, what kind of box you're sitting in or what seat you're sitting in making that decision changes at times. But I think your values kind of run a consistent thread through all that, you know, the way I sort of look at it is no matter what environment or role I'm showing up to make decisions, I want to pretty much be the same values person in any chair that I'm sitting in. And so I think it, it's, it starts with trying to be really clear on those. And I would say that those are very core to me for a very long time, but I think you develop a probably a little bit better language around it. And, And here's why I think that's important the better that you can share your values, the better that you will help other people underneath you make decisions as well. Okay. Explain that. That's interesting. Yeah. So if a person knows like one of my values is have fun or be done, right? Like life is too short to just be upset or angry or frustrated, you know, all the time, obviously all of us go through seasons like that. Um, But you know, that is a real value of mine. Where it's like, we can't make something fun or enjoyable or find a way to kind of be creative in it. We might as well just not do it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's happened several times in business and different investments that I've been in that that most of them has a great result, but people kind of underneath you saying, hey, you know, we need to find a way to make this enjoyable or fun or or we really should, we should change something, right? And normally it doesn't come back to quitting something Mm -hmm. as much as strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, how you do it. Yeah. People freedom on, Hey, I haven't liked this for 90 days. We should do something different. Right. So you empower that mindset in your organizations to, I think, think creatively about stuff. So um, you, you talk to your team about these. I mean, how do they know that this is one of your values? Yeah. I mean, they're written down, they're given like, here's what it's like to work with me. Here's what it, here's kind of the, the foundation of how I'm going to think through. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say, Sharing, right? I think so many leaders, they, they maybe do some of that stuff and then put it in a box. Well, it adds really no value kept in your on your laptop or something like that and never sharing it. So I think just like organizational values, if you're trying to build partners and people to do life with you, you need to be pretty clear about what those are. You know, another one of mine is just a no excuses mindset. So, you know, people that work for me don't bring me a whole lot of excuses because pretty clearly... Right. I mean, they're like, Hey, this is a pretty big value of his. Again, that doesn't mean we don't have obstacles or challenges, but how are we thinking through those with a solutions-based mindset? Hmm. Um, and so I think it speeds up your ability to make decisions as a team and it helps people even have some filters and naturally you would encourage them to have some of their own as well. Yeah. Yeah. But so some of that is you want to select people who are willing to work in that environment, no excuses or let's have fun. Right. But some of that's also to help, um, you know, them just to know, Hey, how do I manage my boss? If you will, sure. uh, I know when I go to Jay, um, he's going to be asking about this. So I better start thinking in advance. Um, okay. So 
we talked about how this is the same everywhere, but you kind of hinted at that there might be differences based on the role. I mean, how does that work for you? Is this, I always make decisions the same way, or do you shift when you think about kind of, you know, what hat you're wearing or, you know, what, what, what community you're with? I mean, is, is Jay dad, the, the same as Jay boss, same as Jay, the, the advisor. I mean, how does all that work? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think as I have had to play different roles across different businesses, different organizations, one of the things that I really kind of came down to is like, what's more of the, once I have a set of values, what's, what's sort of the, if you will, kind of buckets that you're going to have to think through decisions like, right? And so for me, I've kind of come up with three. I'm sure there could be more, but these three have really helped me. I, you know, I probably spent, gosh, I've been a student of leadership for 20 plus years now, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would say, and I think that that's a role that I play in lots of different places. The leader, I, yeah. those values, but it's, I have to think through decisions as a leader, right? And the way that I think about leadership a lot of times is it's, it's my knowledge, it's my presence a lot of times, it's some level of my personal engagement that has like got to be when I'm leading something that, that a lot of times is what's kind of being made up there. You're, you're personally pouring into people and setting vision, defining things and all that. Yeah. Right? Really, really hands-on in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're kind of a mix sleeves rolled up. What are you leading? And I think as you progress, roles give you the ability to kind of sit in another bucket, which is really what I call ownership. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you don't need to be a leader in that bucket, but it changes a little bit the way you think about it. It It's not always your presence. Sometimes it's the system that you've set up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people you've put around that problem. Um, some point, sometimes it's the strategy. Normally you're getting into some level of capital being vested as well. At that point, you've got a little bit of your network involved, but you're still touching some things or you're touching the people that are touching the things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, probably have some controlling, you know, majority to some extent over how those decisions are made. So I think that's another filter I use. And then the last one, which, and it's not that they're necessarily progressive. It just has kind of worked that way for me that, you know, I do a lot of things as an investor now as well. Mm -hmm. And that's a different box than a leader and an owner, right? Like you're not, you're not rolling up your sleeves every day when you're invested in something you might not even be the majority, you know, decision maker in something. You might just have a minority investment in things that you're doing. You might not always be the smartest person to make the decisions. Mm. You might be the person with the capital and the network that financed it, right? So I think those three buckets take my values and then really say, how do I want to make this decision? Do I need to make this decision as a leader? Do I need to make this decision as an owner? Or do I need to make this decision as an investor? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And um, I'm going to play with an analogy here that I'll, I think this, if I get what you're saying, it's like um, as a leader, say I'm the quarterback on the field with my team, or, you know, maybe I'm the, the point guard calling a play in the basketball game. Right. And I'm directly involved in motivating the team and making it happen and pushing Um when you think owner, I'm a little bit more of the coach. I'm not in the game as much. They're going to run plays without me, but I'm going to advise them and help set the frame and make sure they have all the equipment they need to play well. Uh, and then the investor is like, 
and I might be the 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 owner of the team or like the the guy who kind of sets up the stadium and makes sure all but you know I I don't actually know the sport as well as those guys. I'll let you guys figure out how to win the game. I'm just going to make sure that, you know, there's some money involved and the, the court is ready for you to play. I mean, is, is that a, I'm making this up on the spot. Is that, is that a fair that's, analogy? That's a good analogy that I think a lot of people would understand. And and I think it's, I think it's true. I think in my, when I look at kind of stewardship to, I think the things God's called me to, and you know, your leadership only scales so far, right? Huh. I mean, it's really time limited in lots of ways. I mean, you only have so much time ownership. If you make decisions that way, gives you a little more leverage that you maybe can multiple things at once. You know, you maybe can, you know, have three or four ventures that you maybe you're in. You you could have 17 or 20, but you you can load up a thousand people into the system. If you build a cool system and you don't personally pour into a thousand people, but they're all using the system that you, you designed and run. That's right. That's right. And then, you know, in a, in a form of kind of leverage, I think your ability to think like an investor has the most scalability, right? Mm -hmm. Because in lots of ways, time's not the limiting factor there in most of those decisions. It's capital resources, sometimes network, sometimes the ability to find the right person with the right amount of skill sets and put put in there and you're, you know, that's a, not a limit to your personal, um, time. So in my framework, I, I try to think there, there's things that I'm passionate about that I want to lead, right. That I like, don't necessarily want to give up the leadership. My family's one of those, right? Yeah. Like I'm not approaching my family exactly with an investor mindset. No. And, and you have joke, but sadly I know people I've worked with some clients who have said that, like, you know, this is the classic stereotype of the dad who goes off and makes a ton of money, but says, listen, I'm here to fund my family. Basically I'll buy the house, the cars pay for their college, but they function as a passive investor. And then they let their wife or kids figure out whatever schedule and culture they want. I'll be, I'm, I'm just here to provide the money. And I, sure. I guess it's a model. It's not the one either you or I have picked. Uh, right. My family's one I want to directly lead, but yeah, I mean, that that's a vivid example for some folks, I think. Yeah, no, it's very true. And again, I don't necessarily know that anything's necessarily right or wrong in it. I think we're kind of wired different ways, but that's something that I don't want to give up all my leadership over is my yeah. family. Right. Yeah. You know, and then there's certain core kind of businesses that are maybe more core to what I want to do and have a little bit more that I want to have some natural engagement with and want to have maybe a little more of a long-term view. And I'm probably going to approach that a little bit more on that edge of owner and or owner and leader, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Certain things that, you know, interest me that I think are great opportunities, but I don't necessarily want to become a thought leader or... Uh, even a practical leader in all those verticals, but I do think they're good opportunities and you can still have, I can live a lot of my values in them as yeah. an investor. So. Yeah. yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. So some of this is an evaluation of time. Some of yeah. this is an evaluation of skill and the sure. video game deal, right? Neither of you or I know how to code video games. I <laughs> love the vision. I think this is a gap in the market. This is a cool opportunity. Yeah. So we put in time, effort and network, but let's be clear. There's a whole other group that is working for the company that's doing the actual software development. And neither you or I, we got excited enough about the opportunity, but neither of us, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. And you did this. I didn't crack a book and be like, I got to learn how to code now. Um, Like, heck no, I got to learn how to support 
enough money so that the guys who code can actually do their work. That, That's right. That would be that would be the the opportunity that I'd say yeah. passionate, but but it's not my skill as well as time, right? Because I'd have to take time away from someone else to do that. So yeah. Yeah. I think here's the other side of this that I'm I, honestly I don't know that I've ever said it this way, except thinking through it in our our conversation here is I think a lot of times that as an investor, you don't bring your values. And I think that's one of the reasons that I want to be pushed in that arena more than anything is because I think that we need more of my values in lots of different places, but I can only scale them so far in personal leadership. And so I have to be willing to think alike an owner and an investor if I want my values to show up in other places as well. How, how do your values show up in investment? Because I think you're you're onto something. A lot of us, the way we think about investment is like, well, I'm going to, I mean, my money investment, I'll pick something that's going to have good returns. You just look at the financials and there it is. It, where do values come into making financial investments? I think this is one thing that a lot of people miss. But I think I, I, it's important to me, you know, who I'm in business with, hmm. what thing, the mission that they have. And what I've found is that there's normally always better returns in arenas like that too. Hmm. And there's the side, right. Where, you know, I don't, I don't really believe in, I mean, from the standpoint of cigarettes and kind of what they do to the world. And so I have no monetary gain or no investment in anything that does has anything to do with that. Right. Yeah. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't invest in a cigarette opportunity, even if it's going to give an awesome return financially. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas, let's say you're also, I'm, I'm fleshing this out, but I think I see what you're saying. Like there might be, let's say there's two business up two two storage unit guys that need backing and making this up. Right. Um, and one of the guys is like, yeah, I just did it for the money. Who cares? And the other guy's like, no, I actually like caring for people. And I think this is the way I serve the world. And yeah. you would say, I, I want to partner. This guy's up for a true partnership. One of your values, right. And he wants to have fun with his employees. And you say, I'd rather back this guy than the guy who doesn't care and thinks fun is a, you know, bad in the workplace. So, so it's, it's not only things you avoid, it also is like, I'd rather invest in this opportunity than that because their mission aligns more with what I want to see in the world as well. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think a lot of times uh, I have just always lived life. I think a lot of, in some ways in reverse around how Mm -hmm. a lot of people about it, where, If the result is that you want to have, you know, a great financial opportunity, I think if you can get closer to enjoying that, partnering with people that you want to do life with and enjoy spending time with so it's not drudgery, the if you'll focus on that first, normally the outcome is a really good opportunity. And a lot of times just assume they can compensate for a lack of all those things if it's maybe a good investment. And and I've just found it to be Man, if you'll inverse the relationship, you end up going a lot further faster, right? Another mm-hmm. way to look at it, a lot of entrepreneurs that I coach, you know, they, they're they like, how do I fit my life into this business? I mean, I don't know how many times I've been asked that question. Yeah. You know, I've got all the business that I'm trying to run, and, but then, then I, can't, I, can't, I can't do life the way I want to, right? And I'm like, partly because you started the whole conversation in the wrong place, which is, Hey, build the life that you want, get really clear on that and build the business, job, framework, opportunity, whatever around that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's so opposite of, I think, the way a lot of people look at it. But again, it really comes back to, I made a decision really early on 
to be really clear on the life that I wanted to live. And then I'm going to build a business and framework around how to support that. And it doesn't mean that they don't, you know, at times there's not healthy unbalance, right? One way there's times where, Hey, I didn't make it to the, you know, golf tournament with my son because I had to do something in my business. That's okay. That happens. But you're also know kind of what the, what the bellwether is there, right? Like I've missed the last seven golf tournaments because my, my business, Ooh, something's wrong and something needs to change. Cause that's not what I'm doing this for anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. It does. And I I think that's a scary place for a lot of folks, but man, I think I can endorse what you're saying. It's I've seen it work. I've seen it work a hundred, maybe a thousand times with my own clients, with friends like you and business partners. We've been a part of a lot of things. And I, I don't think this is a, a weird wild guess that crazy Jay Hawkins has. It's like, I think that is actually how the world works is when you set it up with the right uh, engine parts, like, you know, you kind of get all that stuff pre on to use the metaphor. I love the engines, right? If you aim for the end, like you start get all the gears spinning healthy and smooth and put in good quality materials. Well, then what do you know? It's a whole lot easier to get good quality output out of that. Um, I do think though that underneath all this or through all this, like one of the shifts I, I hear from you and I've seen in your life is a long-term perspective. Yep. It's clear when you look long-term. A lot of this stuff is not clear if you look short-term, right? It feels like like what you said, I'll go back to one of the, the shocking things you said to some people. I'm sure a couple of people are like, what? What kind of a smart business guy gives the maximum win to his team, right? Like it, how is it? And you alluded loosely to some of the benefits, but in my experience, man, that, that pays off huge in the long term. You get better people, they stay around longer and they work harder. If they have a bigger percentage of the win, then there's a whole other level of like, man, I'm going to put in the extra 10% because I get a little more out of it. I mean, I think again, short term, you probably could make more money by giving them the the lowest salary you could think of or the lowest profit percent, but not in the long term. I think in the long term, you'd make less money if you You squeeze them than if you gave them you know, the maximum that's still fair. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times we, we talk about that we want to build healthy, sustainable, you know, organizations or businesses, right? Really anything you're working on. And I think that requires a long-term viewpoint, right? When you don't have a long-term viewpoint, healthy and sustainable aren't things that you're so concerned about, right? Like if I'm just going to do this for 30 days, it's squeeze the most out of it you can, don't worry about the term effects or consequences. But in the actuality, if you could set it up to run for 30 years mm. and do it healthy, you give up a little bit along the way because you've made it healthy and sustainable that you're going to, everyone, not just yourself, everyone that it touches is going to come out better in the end. So I think that's an, that's an important way of looking at it. You're, you're exactly right, Scott. Long-term, a long-term mindset is, is really important. But again, I think really that drills back down to values, right? We're like, at the end of the day, I'd rather than talk about, you know, who I was than necessarily what I accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long is long-term for you? I mean, you threw out 30 years. Is that the actual frame you typically think of when you're, you're processing decisions? I do think that there's a ability to change time frames based on what you're looking at. Cause I, I really think things, you know, the timeline does have some significance. Uh, you know, 
an entry level worker that might work for you. It might be a two year time frame. That might be a long term viewpoint on that, where you know the average stay at some place is, gosh, it's you know maybe six months. Well, taking a two year viewpoint on it gives you enough of a long term perspective, right? On on other things, I think it's different, right? A family. That's one of the things that you know as dads and fathers. Gosh, if you don't have a long term viewpoint on it, it's hard, really hard, yeah. because off of investing in conversations with your kids and trying to show up, it is a 30, 40 year payoff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought you were going to say 18 years, uh, but I think you're a little more accurate. Like at 18, I'm not sure we've gotten our payoff yet. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. You know, and I think that's one of the things that people miss a lot of times in our world and our culture goes kind of exact opposite of that is give me it all, give me it now and don't let it cost me anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just not the way not the way the world works. I think Vince Lombardi has a great quote that uh, the only time success comes before work is in the dictionary, right? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Life is about effort. Um, but I think it's about the right effort at the right time with some level of a long-term viewpoint. So I to answer your question. I think a lot of different things have a lot of different timelines. So I don't know that I have an exact filter on, Oh, I have to have a 30 year perspective on this, but I think, trying to think maybe longer term than most people would in any scenario that you're talking about normally will lead you to a better outcome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you referenced it as men. I mean, we ultimately look at the end of our life, right? At the end of our life. I I just did this with a client last week. We went through kind of strategy and process and it came out. Well, have you ever thought about your funeral and the eulogy you would love people to say about you. And that ended up being the exercise for her to do is like, you know, before we can make some of these tactical decisions, what you invest in, what you don't, what kind of, you know, what role you play in the company, man, I mean, this is a, this is a owner. She's trying to figure out what do I do? Right. I don't have to do any of the roles, but I get to what, which one do I want to play? And that's like, you need to go all the way to the end and say, if they wrote a dream, if you have the perfect eulogy and they said everything you dreamed, they would say, what would they actually say? And that's your exercise. So yeah, long-term, like, like end of your life, or maybe even after your life, right? The, the, the ceremony that's, you're already gone and that what's your still impact. And it comes back and it changes significant things. Like what should I do this next year? So you're right, man. You're right. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Hey, thanks for spending some time. I think we'll have more conversations in the future. Appreciate you, man. Glad to do it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Upgrade Engines with Scott Wozniak. If you want to hear more of my thoughts on life and leadership, you might want to sign up for my weekly newsletter at www.scottwozniak.com slash upgrade. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-O-Z-N-I-A-K.com slash upgrade. You'll get a cool quote, a deep thought, and a recommendation for something that I use and love. It's not long, and it should be fun. The theme is similar to this podcast, but it's not the same content. And if you're a leader who wants to build a legendary brand, you can check out my company's website to learn how we can help at www.swazconsulting.com. That's S-W-O-Z consulting.com. Change really is possible. Dreams can come true. It may take a while, but you can upgrade anything if you build the right engine.